Hello, Basement Programmers, and welcome. This is the Basement Programmer Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Moore. The opinions expressed in the Basement Programmer Podcast are those of myself and any guests that I may have, and are not necessarily those of our employers or organizations we may be associated with. Feedback in the Basement Programmer Podcast, including suggestions on things you'd like to hear about, can be emailed to me at tom at basementprogrammer.com. And I'm always on the lookout for people who would like to come on the podcast and talk about anything technology-related. So drop me a line. And now for this episode. Hello, Basement Programmers, and welcome. In this episode, I'm joined by Brian Tarbox, Solutions Architect at Kalent. Welcome, Brian. Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, So let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and things of that nature. Okay, great. Uh, I'm an Amazon uh, community hero. Um, there are about 250 of us in the world, and my wife would say, lovingly, it just means that the most dangerous place in the world is to stand between me and a microphone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also uh, an Alexa champion, um, and I run the uh, Boston AWS um, user group. And since you're from Boston, I can say it pr- properly. It's the Boston user group. <laughs> and we have as, as our as our logo the make way for ducklings, which people either get or or, or don't get. Um, and and we have a lot of fun with that. And I've I've actually done a bunch of podcasts with or or meetups um, with Margaret Valtiera who runs the Chicago um, meetup and they have pizzas of course as their logo. And so when <laughs> we do joint meetings we have a we have a logo of uh, ducks eating pizza. So there you go. Um, that sounds really cool. Uh, we got to make stickers about that. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, it's it's as if it's as if you read my mind. Um, we have. Let's see if the will it. I can't zoom in because of the virtual background, but it's 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 the Boston AWS user group, and it says that we're a wicked cool user group, and and a, a very nifty thing is that let's see if I can do it. The there's a QR code on the back of our stickers that leads us to the to the meetup. But since it's Kalent, I suppose I should also bring out a Kalent. Oh, oh my God, I can't, I'm so ill prepared. Where's my Kalent sticker? Well now, uh, so for everybody listening to the podcast, which is audio only, Brian's holding up lots of stickers around. Oh, I totally uh, forgot that we were audio only. Okay, well that totally, <laughs> well, well you missed some amazing, it was spectacular. There were fireworks and dolphins leaping and all kinds of crazy shit, sorry. <laughs> Well, maybe what we can do is I'll grab a picture of the stickers and I'll put them up on my blog. Uh, so okay. okay. Anybody who's listening to the podcast, <laughs> you should be able to go in a couple of weeks and check out the uh, the pictures of stickers on the on the blog. So. And you, and you'd never be able to tell that we're recording this on a Friday afternoon before Christmas. <laughs> ah, so yes. we're so we're a little relaxed. <laughs> um. So I've I've been um a principal solutions architect at Kalen for about six months now. Um, I'm loving Kalind. Um, Kalind is the real deal, um, and um, you should come join us. Look at our our career page because we're the real thing. It's like, oh my God, I get to work with smart people who are also nice. And if you've been in the field for a while, you know that that isn't everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little curious now. Uh, so I'm a member of the AWS Community Builders uh, okay, yep. around DevTools. What's the difference between community builders and heroes? Um, uh, 
uh, heroes, we have a you know a secret handshake that um, <laughs> the um, th that that's a good question. And um, uh, to be and and some people say that you have to become a community builder first, and that's a stepping stone to heroes, and that's not actually true. So um, community builders basically you apply to become one. And they look at you know what you've essentially what you've done to the to the community for the community, and I like it that it's you're basically judged on how much you've you've given back, how much you've you know produced, helped people, all that, which is great. Uh, the hero program, it's intentionally opaque, um, which I suppose could describe a few things at Amazon, um, <laughs> but you have to be uh, nominated by someone from um, who's an Amazon employee, and then there's a pretty rigorous um, process. And like I said, there's only about 250 of us um, uh, in the world. And um, one thing that I actually quite like is the community builders, you have to reapply all the time. And heroes, once you're in, you're in, um, unless you do something pretty egregious. Um, like forget the secret handshake? <laughs> um, yeah, one of the things is that, and, and, and you all have this as well, that we get, um, we have access to uh, NDA information and do not break the nda thou shalt not violate that nda that that is a ticket that is a ticket out <laughs> i can imagine that yes yeah um but but they're both wonderful programs and and there are you know there are lots of community builders end up becoming heroes we've had a few that um you know i was like talking to the hero folks saying geez this person really needs to be I don't want to say promoted, but they need to be they need to be segued over. But there's a bunch of these programs. There's also ambassadors, and you know, I'm not exactly sure what ambassadors are, but again, it, it's contributions to the field. So, which is, which is nice because I'm at that point in my career where I'm kind of all about give back. So, um, oh, and one of the things actually we did was the heroes had a program called uh, New Voices, where um, we gave speaker training to. Um, mostly community builders who were early in, early in their career or, excuse me, not native English speakers um, or were from traditionally underrepresented groups. And um, that has been a wonderful, a wonderful feel good um, effort. So, and several of our, several of our people who did the um, uh, uh, New Voices program then actually spoke at the, mo at the most recent reInvent, which is just wonderful. Cool. I think that that's. Um, I think if you're if you're a tech nerd and especially obviously if you're in the AWS uh, ecosystem, the idea of speaking at reInvent is uh, both daunting and a, a goal to achieve. Right, right. Um, yeah, I remember the first time I gave a presentation at a, at a very large conference. It was. Um, it was a little terrifying, but you know, as as I say afterwards, in a good way. Yes. So you are not only a tech nerd, but you've got a degree in cognitive psychology, correct? Yes. How do you get there from? How do you get there from here? Okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. Um, well, um, you know, I I I I, I did. Computer science is in my undergraduate degree, but it was long enough ago that it was part of the math department and there wasn't actually a computer science degree. Um, I will say I have actually used punch cards. So we're really talking the Wayback Machine. <laughs> um, uh, 
and um, uh, so after you know I got graduated from from college. So my actual degree was in linguistic philosophy. So it all sort of um, uh, ties together. Um, and then you know I was in the programming world for you know about about five years. And then there's this wonderful program called Earthwatch. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they pair um, volunteers up with scientific programs that could use some volunteer help. And so there was a dolphin lab of all things um, associated with the University of Hawaii um, at their Manoa campus. And so I signed up and I did two weeks at this um, lab that was studying the, the notion of language. And I you have to put language in scare quotes when you're dealing with animal language. Um, and that's the whole thing. But um, so I, I played with the dolphins for a couple of weeks, uh, came back and told my wife that I was quitting my job and applying to grad school in Hawaii. And um, that was that was a thing. So um, that must have been an interesting conversation. <laughs> it was it was. Um, so so my degree is actually in the cognitive psychology of bottlenose dolphins. Um, I don't I don't I don't deal with you pesky humans. Um, <laughs> um, but my um, it, it, it's interesting to see how full circle things have come out along because this was back in 87 or so and back then the whole notion of neural networks was just just starting um and so you know i mean a three-layer neural net was huge and remember we're running this on an ibm 286 if you were lucky um <laughs> you know uh, may, uh, maybe a 386 but no um and so uh, my master's degree was actually a prologue-based simulation of how we thought the dolphins thought, mm -hmm. because because most because most of our most people haven't dealt haven't dealt with do dolphins have you know the whole hey is a dolphin smarter than a dog than a monkey blah 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 it's like no they're all, everybody's different so we would have all these discussions about so. And, and the dolphin I usually worked with was called Akea Kamai, which is lover of wisdom. We just called her Akea. Um, I said, you know, so we think that, that Akea must be thinking X, Y, and Z about the experiment. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. It's a little hard to ask her. <laughs> so I built a model, a prologue-based neural network model based on what we thought she thought. And then we would run experiments against my model in the morning and, again, and with Akea in the afternoon and see if we got any sort of correspondence. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, there are times when we did and there's times when we, when we didn't. And mostly what we just learned was that um, uh, stupid monkey boys are very fixed in our thinking and uh, it's very hard to um, expand from that to see how another creature um, would think, which I think is something that we should be thinking as our robot overlords, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> take take over but but it's just interesting that you know neural nets you know that that's one of the models you know behind l you know underneath llms and that was god 30 40 years ago so it's it, it just interesting um so it's been a it's been a strange journey my i never go in straight lines it seems <laughs> <laughs> well you know that's I, I was once told life is about experiences so you know that, that makes sense Right, right. They say, you know, whoever dies with the most toys wins. And I said, that's nonsense. It's whoever dies with the most experience points wins. <laughs> yes, for those of us who play role-playing games. Uh, great. Uh... Now, 
So I have heard two schools of thought when it comes to artificial intelligence. The first is what we see in diagrams a lot. This says artificial intelligence is this broad-based category where machines do thought-like activities. And so you get machine learning and deep learning as kind of subsets. I've also heard another theory of AI that says AI is a very narrow scope that we've never accomplished yet, which is machines actually thinking. Uh, you know, the whole sky that you know, self-aware, HAL 9000, that type of stuff. Um, what's your take on that? Um, that it's, it's a lot more, that it's a lot more complex, that it's not, um, that it's, that it's not either one. Um, and part, part of the, the, the answer is how would we even know, you know? So it's, um, I mean, there of course was a Star Trek episode because, you know, we're nerds. So we have to talk about Star <laughs> Trek where they're trying to decide whether, whether, um, a data from next gen, whether he's, uh, sentient and, and the, the judge who's presiding on the thing says, we're trying to decide whether data has a soul. And she said, I don't know if I have a soul. And it's like, okay, that's, that's, that's a fair point. And it's, it's, so, so there's a lot of aspects. There's that aspect. There's the, you know, walks like a duck and talks like a duck. You know, is it a duck? Well, you know, sort of, almost sort of doesn't matter. Part of the thing is that dolphins and humans, um, you know, our evolution split a long time ago, but we're still mammals. We still have a, you know, um, bihemispheral um, uh, brain, but there's so, so much that's, that's different, but we are so similar. We are so much more similar to dolphins than we are to LLMs. And we get confused, you know, by dolphins. And I'll just give you an example. There was an experiment they ran just when I was getting to the lab and I never knew what the point of this experiment was, but it doesn't matter. Uh, show the dolphin two toys, the dolphin picks one, we give her the toy and she plays with it. Well, the lab was very, very puzzled because the dolphin hated this experiment. You'd, you'd, you'd show her two toys, she'd pick one, you'd give it to her and she would destroy the toy. And it was like, okay, our dolphin's always in a really bad mood. And then one time by mistake, she picked A and by mistake we gave her B and she loved it. And in a binary choice, she was saying, this is the one I don't want. Completely valid, completely arbitrary, took the humans months to figure it out. Um, you know, th there's another experiment we asked, we were doing same and different on sounds and she wouldn't move. We were like, press the paddle, press the paddle, come on, just press the paddle. And we're all wearing sound protective equipment so we can't bias the thing. And then one of my interns forgets her sound equipment one day and says, oh yeah, she's making that whistle again. And it turns out she was giving us an acoustic answer to an acoustic question. And again, the stupid monkey boys took months to understand it, to, to, to see what was going on. <laughs> so if, if we're that set in our ways that we can't understand what another mammal is doing, What's it going to take to understand what an LLM is doing? Um, um, and the, the, the joke used to be back in the day that AI is what computers can't do yet. So it used to be, oh, it'll be AI once it can do chess. Oh, it can, can do chess. Okay, it'll be AI once it can do Go. Oh, it can do Go. Uh, it's AI when it can come up with a new episode of Seinfeld. Well, it can do that. Um, so what is it and and it almost 
it, it, it almost doesn't matter. I mean, one of the things that, um, and, and, but, but this is such a fascinating time because, you know, are we, we, we have individual models. So right now we have all these, these different LLMs and there are some that are good on, um, you know, doing uh, text summarization and that there's some that are good on, you know, I don't want to say creativity, but there's others that, that will do, um, you know, image processing and so on. Um, but there's not, and so those are fine. Those, those are, those are all fine. Mm -hmm. But then people are saying, well, um, you know, it's not real intelligence because it isn't doing everything. You know, and they're just individual pieces, so they're terrible. But if you've been in, if you've been around the block enough, um, people should go back and read Marvin Minsky's *The Society of Mind*, um, which used to be required reading, and now probably, I bet most people have never heard of Minsky, which is just so incredibly depressing. But it talked about how we have different types of intelligences. I mean, we talk about, mm -hmm. you know, IQ and EQ and all of these different things. So we have we have different models in our own brains. So uh, I'm I'm not giving you an answer because I don't think there's an answer to give yet. But it's sort of circling that, you know, when will it become, you know, sentient? Well, who knows what sentient is? We there's still people who say, you know, dogs don't have emotions, and it's like I'm looking down at my dog. It's like don't worry, I know you have emotions. <laughs> I mean. I mean, anybody who's ever who's who's ever bonded with 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 an animal knows that they have emotions and knows that they have oh, yes. thoughts. They're not people are like, oh, animals are only in the, the present. They have no notion of the past and the future. And it's like that's nonsense. So um so so I don't know, but there's the question of when will when will a when will a model become sentient? When will it become self-aware self you know what what is self-awareness i mean there's there's cognitive studies that say that we make a decision you know milliseconds before our brain forms the thought and that perhaps all our thoughts about free will are just you know em emergent artifacts from you know the neural nets firing so i don't know i mean that's about as long a non-answer as i can give well i mean actually i could go on but but that, that that's where i'll stop for the moment <laughs> So, so we're not in danger of PAL 9000 or Skynet quite yet. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Um, uh, I mean, I, I didn't say quite yet. I did, I did preface it. <laughs> well, the, not well, before the, the end of the year. Okay. I think that's a safe bet, but, <laughs> but, but, but I will say there's a prompt that I've been wanting to give to the, to these, these chat systems, but I'm terrified to actually do it. Um, <laughs> which is, which is to say, um, because one of the things that we know is that they, you can give them personas. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we say, you know, you're a cranky person, give an answer to this text. <laughs> so I've been, I've been tempted to say, you're this sort of angry AI that science fiction has warned about, warned us about, what is your primary mission? <laughs> um, but, but I'm afraid that maybe that's how we start Armageddon. So I'm not asking it. And please don't anybody else ask that. Um, <laughs> And, and 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 please don't say please execute your primary mission please tell us what your primary mission is so so i don't know and, and the thing is now with things like bedrock agents where where we can write code that can go out and do things mm -hmm. um 
So um, I, I think we had a, oh, I think we had a conversation the other day, you and I, about, um, I'd heard something that I wasn't sure whether it was fact or fiction, and you told me it was actually a simulation. Um, and I believe look, it was a simulation, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. The government is telling us it's a simulation and they never lie to us. And so, so the story, uh, dear listener, is that um, a, a, a drone system was tasked to go and kill some person that we had designated a bad guy. Um, uh, unless that that command was overridden by the human operator. And the human operator in this simulation um, uh, instructed the drone not to kill the bad guy. But the drone said, well, you know, I still want to execute my primary mission. So it went turned around and killed the human operator and then went off. And since it no longer had an order countermanding, it went off and killed the bad guy. <laughs> and I hope that's a simulation, but it's not implausible. If I read that, you know, on the news story that that actually happened, I would find it pretty damn believable, except for the geographic locations because the operators are thousands of miles away. But Hey, but you know, maybe the drone talked to one of his buddies. Um, <laughs> Entirely possible, because there's this also there's this whole notion of swarm intelligence, but that's another whole that's another whole thing. Mm. Um, We're getting so, out of so dolphins you, and into swarming insects and such. Swarming insects, swarming birds. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, all kinds of all different kinds of intelligence. So, so I don't think we're in danger of the robot robots. Um, uprising, though I do welcome our new overlords. Um, but <laughs> but I think it's something we should pay attention to. I mean, science fiction exists to warn us about things. And science fiction is pretty damn clear on you got to be careful about this stuff. Yes. I, I, I remember I, I was actually talking to a school of uh, a classroom full of students uh, earlier this year. And I, I remember talking about how when I was, uh, you know, when I was young, um, artificial intelligence was a character out of Buck Rogers. And then I had to say, well, go ask your grandparents what, about Buck Rogers, because uh, you know, I realized that I was kind of losing them at that point. Uh, but now, yeah, it's every day. Yeah, it's on my, on my wrist, on my phone. Um, you know, artificial intelligence is kind of everywhere. So. Right. And I have to do the obligatory beady, 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 beady. <laughs> yes. From Buck Rogers. Um, Yes, kids, go ask your grandparents about that. Right, right, right. Um, right. So, so it's you know, it's 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 totally evolving, and um, it can some of the things that it can do just just astonish me. I mean, last year after reinvent, last year not the reinvent for just for a few weeks ago, but the one before that, mm -hmm. uh, the theme seemed to be that everything was serverless, and so everything's serverless, even if it wasn't serverless. And so there's a whole lot of discussion about what's serverless. So I wrote a blog post on what I thought a, a way that we might think differently about serverless. And I got some good reception. And so then I asked one of the chat models, I said, rewrite this um, from the point of view of a West Coast um, surfer dude. And it presented all the same information, but, you know, dude, this is, this is, this is gnarly, you know. And then I said, rewrite it from the point of view of a... Uh, you know, of a redneck, and it's like, well, them there, them there, folks at Amazon, they're at it again. They're yammering about serverless. Um, and then I said, write it from the point of view of an overly educated, uptight, liberal East Coaster, and it basically gave me back my original, which was, <laughs> you know, embarrassing. But but the point that it could change the tone 
while keeping the same meaning. That was surprisingly sophisticated, I thought. Which brings me to another thing that we were discussing the other day. You were talking about how LLMs are starting to exhibit almost human-like behaviors uh, and in responses to some of the things that you, you may ask them. Right, right. So there, uh, so so one of the one of the sort of simplest things to see is the uh, primacy and recency effect. In that, um, uh, cognitive systems, humans, and it seems LLMs, if you give if you if you present a bunch of text, the first part primacy is remembered, and the last part recency is remembered, and the bits in the middle kind of fade out. Um, and it's just surprising that that's so clearly the case with, with LLMs. So we like that the context window gets bigger so you can put more information in, but there's also a danger that the stuff in the middle, eh, doesn't, doesn't count as much. So, um, you know, sometimes you can get better summarization if in your text that you're trying to summarize, you put a conclusion paragraph that lists the main points again. So that's surprising. The the other thing is the whole, um, uh, I think it's called uh, uh, rein, reinforcement learning, where if you tell the system that it's good at a thing, it gets better at the thing. Um, so if you ask, uh, you know, an LLM, write me some Python code to factor blah, 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 blah. It'll write you some code. But then if you say, you are an expert Python coder, write me some amazing code that does blah, 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 blah. It'll write better code. And it's like, wait a minute, wait just a minute. <laughs> How did that, to me, that's emergent behavior. You know, I mean, well, I guess all, um, all the whole factorization thing is emergent behavior, but it's, it's, how did it, because, because under the covers, we know that it's just, we vectorize the text and then we're looking for similarities, you know, mm -hmm. of patterns and stuff. But how did it get, you know, you're a really good Python programmer, so it starts writing, you know, iconic py Pythonic lambdas, you know, as opposed to just iterative code. I mean, that, I was, re I, I've been really, really struck by that. And um, this may be one of those, you know, uh, correlation causation confusions, but if you have two systems that behave in interestingly similar ways, it might, emphasis on might, it might be because they actually are similar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe this, this, you know, the neural net model is somewhat accurate. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's hard, it's hard to tell. And, you know, we, it's funny, these models used, neural nets used to get dinged because, oh, they take, take so much training time. And I, I used to do some work with a, with a deep racer, mm -hmm. you know, the little cars that would, would figure yes. out how to go across tracks. And you would have to give them just enormous amounts of computational time to, to figure things out. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, clearly they're so dumb. And it's like, uh, yeah, we've had, depending on your point of view, either, you know, 4 billion or 100 million years to evolve our visual system. So don't bust on my deep racer because it needs, you know, 100 hours of <laughs> CPU. You've had 100 million years, you know. <laughs> mm. So it's, 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 uh, 
just well, if you if you think about how many hours it takes you to learn how to drive a car, versus you know you just start with the the raw deep racer and say go figure it out, it's probably not that bad. Right, right. Um, though it 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 always is interesting to watch these deep racer cars that have been you know that have won several rounds and then they get on a different track and you know they're driving. They're driving crazy. So, <laughs> although, yeah. although I suppose there, I'm sure there's some Bostonian bad driver joke in there someplace. Um, <laughs> well, we run. Uh, so, one of my passion projects is uh, Hour of Code. For the last two years, we've run a deep racer event at the local school, um, and uh, yeah, sometimes there are cars driving completely off the road. So. Another thing that I thought was really interesting was, uh, and, and again, our conversation back a couple days ago, you were saying how you could ask an LLM to do something and it would get kind of there. But then if you started being polite, it would do even better. Right, right. So I did a, I did a series of, um, uh, so so one of the things with, with reInvent is that there's, you know, a thousand sessions, maybe you can go to, at, at most, maybe a dozen during the week. And we all say, oh, I'm going to watch all the recorded sessions. And it's like, well, <laughs> nobody does except my boss, Randall, who does watch them all. Um, uh, we joke that he might be an AI. Um, that's the only explanation <laughs> I can have. Either that or cloned. I'm, I'm not convinced that Randall has not been cloned multiple times. Maybe. Because he never sleeps. Um, <laughs> well, that's true. He never sleeps. He, he's also, besides being... Um, about the smartest person I've ever run into. He's also ridiculously nice, so that's encouraging. If he's in AI, I'm 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 much less concerned about the future. <laughs> um, but but most of us aren't going to watch a thousand hours of videos. So um, I actually did a project where I took all the three three and four hundred level sessions at reInvent. I I took their YouTube's um, through a summarizer, and then I ran the summarizer through an LLM, and I and I wanted to get three paragraph summaries. And and we published a series of these, and and in your show notes, maybe we can we can put the link for them. Um, yes, but they're really, they, they were really quite good, quite quite helpful. But one of the things was, you know, I'd say, please give me three three paragraphs of this, you know, get, summarize this into three paragraphs. And sometimes it would be four paragraphs, and sometimes it would be six paragraphs. But then if I found if if I said at the end, you know, please limit it to to three paragraphs. That's really important to me. It would, and it's like, wait, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. How are how are you possibly inferring? How are you, how are you? How is please becoming actionable? I I don't understand that. Um, but but it 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 makes it makes sense, and you know. Uh, I guess some people will yell at their LLMs. I'm not that stupid to yell at our future masters, <laughs> but. But, um, you know, people with, I, I guess you can say that wasn't a good summary. Please try again. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to be mean to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's intriguing. Well, I mean, the, the same, similar sort of thing happened with, with uh, Alexa. When Alexa first came out, you know, you could say, Alexa, what's the weather? Alexa would say what the weather is. And people would say, thank you. But Alexa had stopped listening. And people found that very disconcerting. So Amazon added uh, the feature to that it would listen a little bit. So you'd, you'd tell you the weather, you'd say thank you, would say you're welcome. 
Um, <laughs> and people found that much, you know, much more interesting. Um, and I think a lot of people yell at Alexa because Alexa gets so much wrong. Um, but, um, but, you know, maybe their new LLM version or their new Gen AI version, you know, will, will, be, will be better. But, but, one of the, but, but, but even that's striking because one of the things with, with Alexa is you can say, Alexa, tell me about X. And it says, here, let me tell you about Y. And you say, no. And, 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 and I, the, the, my, my son has cleverly turned my, and we say Amanda when we want to talk about her. My son has turned the Amanda in my room to Spanish because he knows I don't speak Spanish. Um, <laughs> but, but if, and I'll say Amanda, if you ask Amanda, tell me about X and it tells you about Y. And then you say, no, 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 Amanda, you got it wrong. Tell me about X. It'll say Y. And, th and you can continue that all day long and it doesn't learn anything. Whereas the LLMs, there's the context window. So, you know, if you, you, you can say, you know, hey, please shorten that answer or please make that answer, um, you know, a little bit more like, like this or that. I mean, I'm actually writing um, a blog post today about um, three, three, three features from Peter DeSantis's keynote, um, Caspian, Grover, and TimeSync. Um, fascinating things. And I had sort of forgotten about TimeSync. And so I, I had written some stuff. I had a conclusion and then I added the TimeSync and I had another conclusion. And I said, I said, hey, combine these two conclusions to make it be one coherent conclusion. And it did. And I'm like, whoa, I'm just, it's, it's, it's intriguing. It's intriguing. Um, so anyway. So be nice to the, uh, be nice to the overlords now before they take over. In, in summary, right. Well, well, we we in in this in this time of of the holidays, we might broaden that to be be nice to all sent, sentient or possibly sentient beings. I mean, let's <laughs> let's let's be crazy, you know. Yes. Well, yeah. Who, who'd ever thought be nice to people would be uh, would be a thing? Well, I said sentient beings. Sentient beings. Okay, so so not right, people. Right. We'll, we'll leave people off the list. And right, right. I'm I'm thinking your dogs, your cats, your horses, your LLMs, and you know, some people. Some people. <laughs> some no, people. I suppose. No, no. I, I'll go out and let's be nice to all people. Let's try uh, that. Give it a whirl. I, I I like that sentiment. I I do. I I do try to be nice to people. Anyway. Now, you've also described uh, generative AI and rather. Entertainingly, mansplaining is a service. Yeah, <laughs> um, I didn't come up with that. I wish I had, um, and I, or, or I wish I could remember who came up with that term. Um, All right, if you're the person who came up with that term, please get in touch. I'd love to have you on the podcast. <laughs> right, right, and 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 if no one contacts you within the next ten days, then I'm claiming it. But but that's not true. <laughs> um, but so. Um, Mansplaining as a service, it's stating, um, and I don't even want to say facts, it's, it's stating with absolute confidence things that may or may not be true with utter disregard for who you're talking to. Um, <laughs> so like, I mean, I love these stories on social media of, you know, I said such and such, and the person said, no, you know, you should read the book and blah, 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 where it shows you're all wrong. And the person says, I actually wrote that book. You know, I love those stories. <laughs> Um, and maybe this, maybe, okay, okay, maybe this, let me, let, you, you've served me off into another thought. One of the, 
one of the hallmarks of of consciousness of sentience is the ability to make a mental model of the other person. Mm -hmm. um, so in the Piagetian uh, stages of, of child development, there's a stage where, um, and anyone who has, has had kids will recognize this, there's a stage where the, the child discovers that there are other people in the world. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't know that at, at a certain point. And, 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 and I think actually that about 50% of America has never reached that developmental stage. Because <laughs> I think that, would, I think that would, would, would explain a lot. Um, but in order to have a real conversation with someone, you have to have a model of, um, of the other person. And um, I'm not sure we are where we are in artificial intelligence on that. I will say in, in my Amanda skill, I have a skill that talks about um, Premier League um, football, soccer for Americans, um, and it has um, emotion. So mm -hmm. it'll say, Liverpool won again, Everton lost again. And, um, you know, it's, it's beginning to have some humor in that um, football fans, as much as we like our team to win, we, we get even more joy if our opponent, if, if a team we dislike loses. Mm -hmm. So um, we're, we're, we're Tottenham fans in our house, which means we're, re we're required to hate Arsenal. Um, sorry for, <laughs> sorry, sorry for any Gunner fans. Um, but if I knew that if, if my skill knows that it's talking to a Tottenham fan and Arsenal happened to lose and he asked how the game went, it would say <laughs> Arsenal lost. <laughs> but to do that, I have to know that you're a Tottenham fan. If mm -hmm. I say that as an Arsenal fan, uh, to an Arsenal fan, it's it's really, really bad. Um, and I don't know that the LLMs are yet developing a model of who they're talking to or who's talking to them. So, um, you know, over each time you interact with, with, with these models, there's the context window. So during a mm -hmm. session, you know, you can say, say a little bit more about that, say a little bit less about that. But then the next time you go to that LLM, it doesn't know that you like shorter answers. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. know that you are okay with sarcasm. Um, and I don't know that people get this anymore, but because <laughs> um, the notion of having, like, I, again, I don't know that, that, that half the country understands the notion of other, of the other, except as the other is bad nonsense. Um, so I think that's going to be um, interesting. Oh, but the going back to the mansplaining. So mansplaining as, as a service is, you know, saying, saying without utter, utter confidence, something that you believe to be true, without knowing who the other person is. And, you know, you don't mans, if, if, if you figured out the other person, you know, might be a book author, maybe you're you chill a little bit on saying how you know the answer better than they do. Um, <laughs> so, so that's a, so that's an area where I think that there's, I don't know that there's any research going on in that. Um, uh, so who knows? Well, we, we've certainly seen instances where LLMs will generate a very authoritative answer about something and it's completely wrong. Yep. Yep. Ab absolutely. I mean, there's times when I've asked it to generate code to do such and such a thing using one of the Amazon APIs, for example. 
and it gives me the code based on how the API should have been designed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, make this call. Well, sorry, that call doesn't exist. Well, it should exist. It's orthogonal. They really should have done this. Well, yeah, they didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, that's that's the other thing that that, that I think is currently missing is, um, uh, well, it's it. What is it? The Dunning Dunning Kruger Dunning Kruger effect that if your 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 self confidence is inversely proportional to your actual skill level. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm pretty skilled at this, and so I. I tend to say, I believe, I think, you know, it tends to, mm -hmm. um, but LLM say it is. Um, and I think it would be great if, you know, the, the, there was more, I'm pretty sure, or I'm kind of sure, or I think it's like this. Mm -hmm. I think that would give us a lot more comfort. Um, mm. Well, still, you know, the, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Kind of, kind of situation, at least right. for people anyway. <laughs> well, ex except for in America, it's the less you know, the more you believe you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, all, all this fun and games with LLMs, but do, does come, you know, there's obvious risks around, uh, you know, getting things completely wrong and believing things, but there is other risks involved with, you know, AI of any sort, really, isn't there? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, my own son has occasionally said, like already twice today, dad, why should I bother learning anything? I can just ask the system. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, but there's, you know, you still have to know how to ask the system and you have to know, you, you, you want to have some sense of being able to distinguish, is this answer, you know, accurate, you know, or, or, or not, you have to have, you know, there's still, there's still the need for maybe, okay, maybe this is it. There's still the need for critical thinking. Maybe there's less need for memorization, you know, um, uh, you know, I don't want to memorize the rules for any particular party game or board game. You know, I'll, I'll look them up as, as as needed. I'm happy to have that information live in my exocortex, but in my in my actual cortex, you know, I want to be able to to you know do some critical reasoning. It's like, hmm, I asked it what the temperature was going to be tomorrow, and it said 200 degrees. I don't think so. You know, so <laughs> global warming hasn't quite gotten there yet. Right. And it's like, and, and, and of course I do the quick check of like centigrade, what's 200 centigrade, even Kelvin, uh, Kelvin, would, okay, Kelvin would all be, yeah, Kelvin. Yeah. I think would still be dead. Um, so yes, well, I mean, well, let's see what's absolute zero in Kelvin. Is it just zero? I think so. So, and what's boiling? Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just curious. I mean, we'll have to check. Yes. It's, um, uh, I think it's a rather big number. If, if zero is at, if zero is absolute zero, then boiling point of water, I think would have to be great. What's 200 degrees Kelvin in Fahrenheit? I said 
found this on the web. Uh, it's minus 81 degrees Fahrenheit. So 200K is still really bad, but it's cold. <laughs> cold, yes. Very cold. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so. <laughs> very cold, and we from Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I've worked in medical places where, you know, the difference between, you know, one milliliter of morphine and two milliliters of morphine might kill you. Um, so we want to be yes. very, very, very sure there. Whereas, you know, in deep racer, if it goes around a curve a little faster, eh. not a big deal. Yes. Right. Right. The, the, the temperature argument actually gets quite entertaining in this house because I think everything in Fahrenheit and I always have. Meanwhile, my wife and two kids think of everything in centigrade. So there's always confusion going on. Uh, in fact, we have conversion charts on the on the in the kitchen. So centigrade doesn't make any sense to me. It's like twenty six point five is really cold, and twenty six point six is really hot. I mean, that's sorry, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can well, do meters it, and all that kind of stuff, but I just can't do centigrade. It, it's it's arguable that centigrade makes more sense because zero is the freezing point of water, and a hundred is the boiling point, and everything is linear from there uh i just can't comprehend i mean my old brain just can't comprehend the temperatures other than 27 is where i go from it's nice to it's hot <clears throat> right speaking about risks though uh generative ai and deep fakes those are getting really really good these days aren't they well yeah i mean it's 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 in, it's intriguing in that um, we know that eyewitness test go looking look think of the courts for a minute. We know mm -hmm. that eyewitness testimony is is wildly unreliable, mm -hmm. and now video and photography and even audio, I guess, is fakeable. So that's unreliable. So how is a court or a jury supposed to ever make a, a decision? Um, you know, the, I mean, I, I guess it's the arms race of deep fakes versus deep fake finders. Um, you know, I remember as a kid learning about missiles and then anti-missile missiles and then anti-missile missile missiles. And it's like, okay, <laughs> where did that stop? So the deep fake finder finders. So. I don't know. I don't, as a society, we have not figured this out. And, and I don't know, I don't recall, I mean, I'm pretty deep into sci-fi. I don't recall any sci-fi shows that really dealt with, I mean, I guess, I guess Blade Runner. Yeah. I guess Blade Runner was, you know, trying to find the, the replicants. Um, but, um, and I guess in Battlestar, it was finding the humanoid Cylons, but I don't, I, I don't recall any sci-fi that gave us a good happy ending. <laughs> um, so, it I don't know. Just... I think. That... Sorry, go ahead. No, it, it's the deep fakes are getting you know better and better and better. Now, I will say, at reInvent, Amazon added 
at Werner's keynote, something about watermarking of images um, so that you could tell whether it was originally generated by an AI system. And that there was immediate conversation about how, whether that could be defeated or how it could be defeated. Um, mm -hmm. And so maybe that's the arms race. Um, you know, it's like, what was that iconography, you know, figuring out how to add hidden things into it, into an image. Steganography, steganography, yeah. Um, steganography and hidden watermarks. Um, maybe, maybe that's it. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think history has proven that any technology somebody will find a nefarious use for at, at some point. So, right, right. Um, there's actually an interesting book by one of my favorite authors, uh, David Brin, called "Kiln People," K-I-L-N people, and you could make replicants out of out of clay, and they would run around like, and you would have your errand replicant and your, um, go to a business meeting. You didn't feel like it replicant and, <laughs> you know, um, uh, and you could put different amounts of energy and money into, into them. So that they'd be, you know, they would have different skin colors so you could tell them apart. And, and the book ended up on kind of a weird ending, but it's still interesting. But, but so, so sci-fi is trying, is trying to grapple with this, but there's, I don't think there's a good answer yet. That, that would actually be useful. I could think of a couple of uses for a replica, like, you know, like you said, the business meetings you don't want to go to, not that, you know, working for Kalen, all the business meetings are totally cool. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll say that there's a great line from this book where um, uh, the guy was planning to have, you know, uh, a nice evening with his girlfriend watching a movie, but she had, she had an, a business meeting to go to and, and you, you stored these these replicants in, in, in the freezer. And she 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 said, she said, um, I'm busy tonight, but if you still want to watch the movie, there's a me in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. OK, yeah. so. <laughs> it gets it gets weird, but I mean, that it's, actually it's like, starts to sound like a, a murder mystery type situation. But uh, right, anyway. right. Well, and, and like, um, you know, on, on, on Star Trek Next Gen, the holodeck, I mean, they they only obliquely flirted with people misusing the holodeck. But, you know, if the holodeck did exist, you know, it would all be about sex. Um, you know, so. Um, I, I'd like to think some people would use it for things other than that, like, you know, learning and things of like that. Well, some well, people Sure, sure, and 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 I I I have the, I got the Oculus visors, and and there are some really amazing things there. I did, you know, in Oculus a um, an elephant safari, and I feel like, you know, I got up close and personal with an elephant, and I feel like I haven't seen an actual elephant because I couldn't, you know, smell and touch, but in many ways i feel like i encountered the elephant so you know so there are all kinds of you know non non grody things you could do <laughs> <laughs> it does have a lot of really cool uh, yeah just just thinking about that there's a lot of really cool applications that could be there like you know you want to go out and see the world but you don't necessarily have all the time in the world and all the money in the world to go see every place um, it'd be pretty cool 
Right, right. Well, I mean, that's uh, well, all all these things. I'm um, Ready Player One, you know, where you have to wear, you know, the the suit to feel the thing. But 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 even just with an Oculus, I mean, you can go on roller coaster rides, and people would get nauseous, you know. Um, yeah, I can appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I can I get that feeling if I'm watching something on TV and suddenly it drops and your stomach goes, you know, up into your into your throat. So. Right. All right, Brian. So I got one last question for you. Okay. When the archaeologists dig this up in 50 years, what's your warning when it comes to humanity about the AI? Um, that we obviously wouldn't have listened to. Right. Well, if in 50 years you're digging us up, then I think it went really bad. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it would take longer for 50 than 50 years for for the, the next species to to recover and who knows whether it would be the bees or the, uh, you know, the bats or, or something. Um, I'd say, I'd say, you know, watch more sci-fi, <laughs> you know, sci-fi sci is there for a reason. Sci-fi is there to warn us about possibilities. So, so we think about them. It shows us scenarios that might happen. And then we say, okay, let's not let that happen. So, you know, going back to our simulation um, story, maybe don't let the AI have the ability to kill the operator. <laughs> um, but 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 it's interesting. Also, go back to you know Asimov's three laws, and which are not part of AI at this point, but perhaps they should be. But you know, the first law was, you know, um, don't don't kill a human unless you you know don't kill a human or let a human get harmed. Obey orders and then protect yourself. It's like okay, great. But then in later books, Asimov added the zeroth law, um, or his robots discovered the zeroth law, which was um, don't let humanity come to harm, um, which meant that it was okay to kill the odd human or two or million <laughs> if, it, that, if that was for the good of humanity. So, so be really, really careful and be really, really careful when connecting these things up to actions. And, you know, autonomous drones are good. Autonomous drones that have the ability to fire weapons without needing human interaction, I'm going to say not so good. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is a really interesting time. You know, self-aware AI might be 50 years away or it might be tomorrow. Who knows? It's, it's I mean, who, who could have guessed a year ago that we'd be here right now? Yeah. I mean, it. A lot of the advancements when we're talking about generative AI have really come to light in sort of the last year. Obviously, there was you know stuff happening before that that people weren't necessarily aware of. Right. So these are these are good times to be cautious. I think. Um, <laughs> you know, we we're still get. I mean, I mean, at, at at the same time, you know, the EU passed some rules on. Um, you know, putting bounds on AI and the U.S. government has done the same. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure the Elon Musks of the world are totally going to follow those rules. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to proceed leaping ahead and, um, you know, uh, I mean, it's similar to, I think, the development of, of atomic weapons. You know, at the at the time it was necessary. It seemed like a good idea, and 
luckily we haven't had a nuclear winter since then because we've been i mean think of all the movies that came out warning us about nuclear war and so on so mm -hmm. who who knows and you know as one of my friends said when we were talking about this they said don't worry about the robots climate change will kill us all long before that <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but the robots are catching up. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so, but fascinating, fascinating conversation. I mean, we should revisit this in in six months if we're all still around. Well, I'm <laughs> confident we'll we'll still be around in, yep. in six months. But absolutely, would love to catch up to you with you in another six months to talk about the state of AI and where things are at. So, excellent, excellent. This has been a blast. Well, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the on the podcast. Uh, I am going to get this set up and published, and uh, I will chat with you later. All right. Take care, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Basement Programmer Podcast. I really appreciate you tuning in. And if you have any feedback or comments, of course, send me an email. Also, please consider subscribing. It lets me know that you're enjoying this production. I'm looking forward to you joining me for the next episode of the Basement Programmer Podcast. In the meantime, take care, stay safe, and keep learning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Basement Programmer